Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I am Matt Cox, your host, one of the three founding members of the Three Man Weave. Jim Root and Kai McKean, you'll hear their lovely voices coming through the airwaves soon. Collectively, we are the Weave, and the topic is college basketball, as it has been all season, coming to you every Wednesday morning with a new drop. On top of another addition to our slate, fellas, we're doing Saturday drops with our guy Stucky. So college basketball, just shooting out of a fire hose at your face, put college basketball behind you. The NFL playoffs are overrated. I'll have to say, sorry, Jim. Uh, So uh, just trying to kind of hog all of the attention to our beloved sport, which basically only has one month out of the year to shine. Go pack. A lot to, uh, yeah, whatever. Sure. I guess lose Rams lose would be my addition to that. Hey, Kai, this six pack of sections, they haven't changed. You know what they are. The live dog of the week, blowout city, Power game of the week, mid-major game of the week, the old trash man, our favorite. And then we have a spotlight on a few uh, trends we'll get to, a lot to discuss today. Um, let's start off with the pups. Bark, bark. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. As always, we have to recap how our picks did last week. And I'd say overall, good. Got three outright dog picks. DePaul beat Seton Hall. I'm, I'm going to say they did better than good. Kai whipped up this section last week. And if we had just auto bet everything I Kai know. said, we would have made copious dollars. Millions, Jim. Kai. Millions. 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 All right. Well, Kai, so everyone's going to be looking to you as the beacon of hope then for a repeat oh of last week's performance. So that <laughs> You know, the old jinx juju that, that can only go one direction for you. But yes, Thanks, DePaul buddy. beat Seton Hall. Colgate won at Navy. Sienna, my Saints, went marching in marriage to got it done. And the Cajuns came up just short in Texas State. Unfortunately, VCU came up just short. Um, uh, but they hey, came up more Oregon? than just short. <laughs> they came up no, more I, than just short. I, I wanted to kind of ignore the uh, That the was a bad pick. Yeah, that was a bad pick for us. That was that was me going rogue. That was all me. So hey, if I'll you're not going to cover, if you're not going to cover, you may as well not cover by 50. That's kind of yeah, how I look at there it. There you right? go. Speak of the devil, the Saints, Kai. They're back for Wait, discussion. No, you, you didn't mention that Oregon swept the LA trip. Oh, yeah. Like, we should talk about that. Oregon's back. 
I'm just mad. I didn't bet my mortgage on either of those games. So I was. Kai called that one. To, man. He was like, Kai did win one. one. And again, we, Kai is a profit. Kind of, and we kind of pooed that. I we like did. this. We did. Let's keep building me up, guys. I appreciate this. I need yeah. some confidence going into this week. Thanks, you do. guys. You, do. you perform best when you're when you're most confident, as we all do. But hey, keep the crystal ball out. We'll need you to look into it and, and pick out some winners for us this upcoming weekend. Uh, let's get it going. We have a few that are in that short-ish spread discussion for live dogs, cheap money line bets, but legitimately have chances to win. Then some longer shots. And then I added a few complete lunacy home areas to this mix. Uh, started off here with my Saints. Yes, they are back in this section. They are going to Manhattan this upcoming Friday. And in general, I think you're going to see them talked about throughout this show, through us the year. They're just very undervalued right now, Jim. A team that was ravaged with injuries. All the analytic rankings continue to view them as like a fringe top 300 team. I don't think any of us agree with that sentiment. Are you officially going to endorse the Saints going to Manhattan to get an outright win this Saturday? I am, Matthew. I think the Siena team is, like you said, massively undervalued and at plus five. I don't think that's what the spread will be because I think the market is starting to catch up to the fact that they were injured and, and are undervalued. But yeah, I think there's... Very great possibility that they win. And I mentioned to you guys pre-show that I was going to do a little caveat about betting, just something that I have taken away from this year and maybe is something that's affected us. I need to watch less games because when I watch a bet lose, I just like throw that team <laughs> in the trash and I get furious with it. Yep. And I, I had a bet earlier on Sienna this year, actually two straight games that I had bet on them where they lost in overtime. And I was so mad. I like knocked their ratings like that stupid team. How dare they? But they were both correct bets. They were an underdog in both games and just happened to not cover in overtime. So I need to not overreact to watching them do dumb things in OT and just mm -hmm. focus on the fact that this was the smart bet. Trust the process. Kai, that is a lesson learned and something I would like to give to the people. Don't overreact to what you watch if it just is making you angry. Yeah, the eye test. Give it the eye test. Take it away, Jim. Matt, Sienna plus five for Ken Palm against Manhattan. Won't be that, but man, I like him on the money line a lot, dude. Manhattan won the first game in this matchup in overtime. Sienna was up by 17 in that game. Yep. Sienna should have won. It's good that Manhattan did, though, for our backing of the Saints in this matchup. I do that, think that was, Sienna that was one of my OT Sienna bets. Yep. Drove yeah, me crazy. There, there you go. <laughs> Sienna, for sure. Yep. Um, this is one of the few I will endorse. I'm trying to be more selective, more picky. You can't just spray the board and tout the two you got right if you pick. So 10. why did you add these insane Hail Marys at the bottom? Yeah, because I'm, talk about I'm, this. I'm, oh, no, I'm gonna, I'll do it real quickly. Hey, I just think anything at plus 175 or better for Sienna, I think it's a pretty good bet there. Uh, here are the other three that Jim... So astutely added to the list. I'm a little bit less hyped about the following, but I think all very valid candidates for outright wins. SMU goes to Memphis on Thursday. The Pony Express going into uh, to the FedEx forum there. South Dakota State going to St. Thomas on Thursday, a big summit showdown. Two of the most prolific shooting teams in college basketball this season. And then the fourth one, the Horn Frogs, TCU going to Oklahoma State. This one's on Wednesday. So tonight, if you're listening to this fresh off the drop, uh, Kai, I'm going to you. Which of these three catch your eye, if not multiple? I don't love the Memphis one because they have lost two in a row and they're back at home here. Uh, those two are on the road. So I'm staying away from that one. I don't love the St. Thomas one, Matthew, even though I do like the Tommies. I just think South Dakota state is too powerful. Could be blowout potential, but I do like TCU. I do think they can win at Oklahoma state. Oklahoma state's certainly been better at home, but they just played the game of their lives against Baylor and TCU has been sneaky. Good this season. Really do think they're a good candidate for a money line play. Yep. I'm with you on that, that TCU one. That spot is terrific. Like Oklahoma State won at Baylor. This team can't play in the postseason. Like that was their Super Bowl. Like that's as good as you can do. You win at the number one team in the country. That's the peak of their existence this year. I don't think they're going to like lay a total egg and get blown out by TCU, but I, I just, it's hard to get up the same way after a game like that, whereas TCU still has legitimate at-large hopes. So I think it just means a little more for the Horn Frogs. 
I get the skepticism on SMU and, and St. Thomas. I'm not fully endorsing either one. I will just say South Dakota State has lost at a worse team, Matt, that is a three-point mm-hmm. shooting barrage candidate. <laughs> yep, that's true. Idaho. At Idaho, gave up 100 points. I think it was 98. Yes. And this is such a wide variance game. Ken Palm has the total at 168 points. Both these teams are going to fire up threes. Neither plays any defense. If the Tommies are hot at home, they theoretically could get that done. Yeah, the Tommies can say, I see your shooting, Jack Bunnies, and I raise you these 30-foot bombs that we continue to hit <laughs> a blistering hot clip. It's insane how good of a shooting team the Tommies are this year. That's a highly uh, recommend watching that one because I yes, think it'll be a blast of a yes. game. Like a good old-fashioned YMCA men's league where there's all shooting and no defense play. That's that's what you'll see there. A couple of long shots. Kai, any interest in the following? I like these two examples or these two potential money line picks here. Uh, looking at low double-digit spread, most likely. Charleston going to Towson on Thursday, colonial match there. And then my favorite so far we've discussed, Missouri State at Loyola. The Blurs have struggled so far, quote unquote, in conference play, not been as dominant as we've seen throughout the non-conference. And I would argue Missouri State's talent is as good, if not better than Loyola. What say you? Yeah, uh, I like both. Charleston, I'm not sure I'm going to take the money line because Towson truly is very, very good this season. Now, I guarantee I'm going to be on them with the points. I I guarantee I'll back them as a dog here. Missouri State, though, is interesting. And I like how Jim put it in the outline here, guys. I know you can't see it out there, but Jim, Loyola has repeatedly played with fire and the Bears are good enough to burn them. That's a great line. Credit to Jim Root. I think Missouri State can and will get it done against Loyola. Wow. Yeah, see, I think maybe this one, Missouri State's good enough to wake up the Ramblers and like bring out a better performance Mm -hmm. where they kind of slept walk through the home game against Valpo. The other home game that went to overtime is escaping me. Was it Bradley? Bradley? It was Bradley. Yes, Bradley. And they they got down big against Indiana State early. You just can't keep doing that in a very parody ridden league like the Missouri Mm -hmm. Valley without eventually taking a loss. Missouri State's good enough to do it, but I'm not predicting that one. I think I'm going to take the Cougars, though. I think bounce back after they lost at home to UNC Wilmington and potentially no Terry Nolan for Towson. I just I think yep. there's going to be good value on that one, Matt. Don't hate either of those. Uh, I would Missouri State will be one I officially endorse. It's just it, it's a parody ridden league, Jim, but like a really good league, not just like a Mac type of parody where it's like random results all over the board. Just a lot of good teams, and Loyola has been, I think, inflated above uh, where they probably should be relative to their peers. I'm going to throw in one last one, and you guys are going to laugh at me, but sorry, deal with it. Hartford at Vermont. You're looking at probably a price of plus fifteen hundred. Uh, spread should be high double digits. Harper hasn't played in ages. This is the reigning AEs tournament champion. Uh, some weird stuff can happen in the America East. And you get Tracy Carter back, presumably coming off the long COVID shutdown. I think that's worth 10 bucks. I think you're crazy. There's no way Hartford beats Vermont on the road. Yeah, Vermont's smacking people in that league. I, I'm out on that. <laughs> All right. 10 bucks to win 150. Pass if you are a fool like these two are. Okay, hey, quick recap of what we actually like. So I'm going to go Missouri State and Hartford because I'm a nut job. Sienna, Missouri State, and Hartford. I'll take Sienna, TCU, and Missouri State. I'm joining on Sienna, so that's a trio agreement. Also TCU with Kai, and I'm going Charleston. I think they win at Towson. All right, let's talk about some blowouts, some potentials for the upcoming week. But before we do that, not a great call by us last week with our um, picks here. Weaver just snoozed yeah. through the Idaho game. Yeah, Murray State, Belmont. I mean, that game was just nuts. I don't I think, think I've ever seen Murray we, shoot. I think we overlooked the Murray State and Belmont look-ahead spots, but they were playing each other that yeah, Saturday. And so the midweek game, they weren't as sharp. So that was hey, Murray that game. Down. Not Belmont, though, yeah. Oh, Their game right, got right. switched last second to a different opponent. So I think we get a pass for that one. Okay, good. Well, we'll hope the uh, the scorekeepers agree. Okay. We, uh, we would appreciate that. 
All right, here's an initial uh, two for off the top. Man, I just feel like Eastern Illinois has been a pinata of this organization so far. And you know what? Why, why not, Jim? They've been helpless despite trying to play really slow. They still find ways to not even score 30 points in a game. Murray State, well, yes, it could be a sleepy spot, especially after the Belmont game. And if the fact that they're actually going to be playing Eastern Illinois, by the way, just a couple days before. Already um, did. Yep. Already did. But yes, they played, they played, on they so played I, yesterday I, I on Monday. Yes. Both Murray State and Weber State in the same section here because they're both teams are playing the same opponent Thursday that they played Monday. And the favorite, Murray State and Weber, both covered on the road in the first game. But now you're going back home. The spread's going to be inflated in both because of the cover, because their you know, home court is flipping. I'm kind of with you, Matt. I think you get snoozy efforts from both here. So I actually don't like either of these that I wrote down. Yeah, I, I agree. I think both uh, dogs cover this one at home. Bounce back a little bit. EIU 28-point spread. Oh, God. Murray doesn't care about this game at all. No chance. Yeah, yeah EIU was only down like 12, uh, 10 yeah. at halftime in the last one. I think they can hang around enough that they're not going to lose by 50. I like that we're expanding the parameters of Blowout City to actually fading potential blowouts <laughs> and good spots. And I think that's going to be just yeah. more common as we go throughout conference play. Typically, typically, Kai, Large dogs in conference are usually pretty good bets. However, I do like staying true to the name of this section with this next one that Jim pointed out. Colorado State hosting New Mexico, and that is tonight listening on Wednesday. The Lobos have been a team that we've liked, that we've backed quite a bit this season. But I think the injury bug is starting to catch up with them, Jim. And Colorado State is a team that you're not looking to go into at altitude if you're kind of limping in there. They can put it on you in a hurry. And I think they win by 20 in this game. Yeah, the quotes from New Mexico right now don't don't really encourage me. Uh, after their uh, their most recent blowout loss or, or one of their blowout losses, they lost at, uh, I think it was UNLV. Just some like, we didn't compete kind of stuff. They sounded disheartened. They don't have a lot of size. I think David Roddy could go for 35 and 15. This is one I do think will be a blowout. Like you said, at altitude, tough, tough spot here. Yeah, and Mexico State just isn't the same team without their big men that have gotten hurt or left the program recently. So they could be in trouble against Colorado State. And let's quickly laugh at Georgia real quick here who will be likely catching three touchdowns and maybe more in a conference game. Uh, that's because they're going to go play at Auburn, a team that's like a mini juggernaut right now. I actually think Georgia covers this game just based on sheer Ooh. Auburn kind of sleepwalks for the second half, but maybe Georgia's just that bad. I, th- I think Auburn covers. 90 really? to 60. 90 to 60, Auburn. Okay. I, I think Georgia maybe sneaks in the back door because, Matt, Auburn won't be that motivated because they're the first power game of the week. Da, 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 da. Great transition, Jim, Two section number three, the power game of the week. Got some good ones on tap here. Yes, Auburn is hosting Kentucky this Saturday. Should be a pretty good game, Kai. Two of these teams are very good, and they have good players. That's my expert analysis on the intro there. I think Kentucky wins. I don't. I think Auburn wins. And I think if you get a price like Kim Palm suggests, where Auburn's a two-point favorite at home, suggesting that Kentucky is better than them on a neutral, I like Auburn. I think Auburn's a better team on a neutral. They have the better pro, the best player on the floor. They have depth at every position. And I think Kessler, uh, Walker Kessler is a great matchup, or at least a Hey, a neutralizer some, of some kind of wall yeah. that takes Sheeway a while to get through <laughs> instead of like a total stopper. Yeah, Auburn for me on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think there's maybe still some preseason stuff that's waiting and keeping Kentucky ahead of Auburn. Like Auburn has been ridiculous. They've done nothing wrong this year. And Matt, Kentucky has played a potential number one pick power forward with shooting range and could not guard him. That was Paolo Bancaro in the opener. 
I don't know how they deal with Jabari Smith in this one. Keon Brooks basically got benched in that game because he couldn't handle Bancaro. They were trying different looks through Jacob Toppin at him, but I think Smith can take him in the post. I think there are some matchup concerns for Kentucky, and although they're getting more confident, Ty Ty Washington has played great lately since Severe Wheeler was banged up. I still think in the jungle, Auburn at home, I bet this line's three, not two, Um, and so I probably won't bet it, but if it is two, I will take the Tigers. I think my hot take here is I like Kentucky's backcourt better. Wendell Green and KJ Johnson have been phenomenal this season. I just think eventually they're going to come back down to earth to some degree. I'm not saying they're not good. They're obviously great. But my goodness, like what we saw Wendell Green do at Alabama was just redonk. Can I, I just can I add a note to that? It was interesting to me. Uh, I was on the field of 68 after Dark Show with Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster. And Goodman was saying that even the Auburn coaching staff is like, a little surprised by how good green's been. And he's like, they won't explicitly say that, but in the preseason, they weren't like, this guy's going to be an all conference player. The, the hype wasn't there. I think they had the same oh, you questions mean, that everyone mean, else did. Okay. And you mean so the guy the from Eastern Kentucky, awesome. the guy from yeah. Eastern Kentucky who was like inefficient and low major conference. Yeah. I'm also shocked. Um, I mean, Hey, so, he was La Lumiere's point guard as, as a senior in high school. He, like, has he had every right to be good, but yeah, he's he just small. Pedigree. And he looks the part too. Like I know he's small, but man, he just plays with like that Bryce Brown, Jared Harper. I just love the parallels. They're too easy. It's low hanging fruit with those comparisons. All right, Kyra, going back to SEC. I wonder how many times I'm going to bet Alabama at home when they're going to let me down. But in this one, and this is tonight for those of you listening, they're hosting LSU. Ken Palm has this basically at a pick and that's just an indictment on how poorly Alabama's played. Nate Oates continues to sound off about how his team lacks toughness. Uh, just got James Rojas back last game. Kind of think he can provide some of that physical punch they need inside, but is this Bama team just not what we thought? Yeah, they're, they're not quite as good as we expected in the preseason. Turns out Herb Jones, the SEC player of the year, was pretty important. And mattered, John yeah. Petty as well, who was all-conference guy for them. Yeah, LSU scares me. Both teams coming off losses. Alabama's lost three straight. You could argue they need this game a lot more. Probably still no Xavier Pinson for LSU. That helps a lot for Alabama, I think. Certainly, they they need all the help they can get the way they're playing defense in the SEC so far this season. I tend to lean towards Alabama. It's a hype home crowd here. Hype home spot. If no Pinson in the lineup, I think Alabama can get this game done. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Matt. I'll, I'll be betting Alabama here at anything like probably minus two or better. Mm-hmm. With, with Ken Palm having it one, I, I maybe without Pinson, I'd even you know up to around three. I think it's a great spot for them. They, their schedule is crazy. I mean, they played the second toughest schedule in the country right now behind Villanova. And coming up on the docket, they've got Mizzou at home, which they need a revenge bounce back there. And then at Georgia, <laughs> they do. And then it's Baylor at Auburn, Kentucky. Like there's no harder three game stretch in the entire country. I don't think than that three game stretch for Alabama. And they already have this crazy tough schedule. So catching LSU a little banged up, you can get a Q1 win here. I think this is massive for the tide matchup concerns a little bit, Matt, just because them going against the length of LSU is not ideal, but maybe this is the game where Alabama's defense actually shows up because LSU's offense will allow that. So I I like the title spot. I like the tide more because of the offensive end, despite my defense centric intro there. Here's why they're shooting 27% in SEC conference games. So far, it's through a five game sample LSU while their front pressure is sometimes terrifying. If you can kind of break that and soften that, they're still not always super connected. And they have those like old Will Wade leaves shooters wide open. I think they're surrendering like one of the highest three-point rates in the country. Like Alabama will get looks in this game. And they're going to hit them eventually this season. I think this is a game where they go 15 of 30. Everyone's like, oh, Bama's back. And it's probably an overreaction. But I think in this spot, (laughs) they fall for him. Go Tide. The last one here, near and dear to my heart, former IU alumni that I am. The Hoosiers are hosting the Boilermakers in Bloomington. This is on Thursday, Mr. McKeon. Uh, Purdue off that barn burner instant classic at Illinois. 
can anyone, and I mean anyone, including Trace Jackson Davis, an All-American candidate, can anyone stop Zach Eady inside? Anyone? No. anyone? No, they Bueller? cannot. They, they will try, but they cannot. And Purdue is going to get their second straight win at Assembly Hall after beating Illinois on I Thursday. I hate Purdue smashes them. How about that? Smash Purdue. Yeah, I hate this matchup for Indiana. I think their strength is inside feeding Trace Jackson Davis, dominating the rim on both ends. And they're playing a team that's better at the rim on both ends than them. Like having Edie in there, having Williams, those guys can score 1v1 and Edie will score. And if Williams starts to score, then you double and he's like the best passer in the Big Ten. He is an unbelievable passer. He wants to make highlight passes and he's capable of it. I think the guard advantage is stark for Purdue as well. Like Jaden Ivey is the best guard on the floor by far. Mm-hmm. This is a game where Xavier Johnson probably has a couple crippling turnovers during a big Purdue run. So even at Assembly Hall with that juice helping to keep Indiana in it, I think Purdue is the side here. It's the matchup's just too strong. And Matt Painter has owned Indiana. Oh, yeah. And like I, that going into Assembly is like that in no way intimidates Purdue at all. Like with, <laughs> with Painter at the helm, um, it, I hate to say it. It just hasn't mattered in recent matchups. The only way IU, I think, wins this game is if you get a big, unsuspecting game from like a Tamar Bates or a Trey Galloway or a Jordan Geronimo, like one of the athletic wings who can, if there's a weakness Purdue defensively, that's probably where it is. But man, they've been erratic and who knows, Woodson might play those guys 30 minutes, might play them two minutes. That's a whole other separate discussion for the IU fan forums we don't have to delve into. But anyway, I agree. I think Purdue gets it done on the road. Last 13 Um, meetings, Purdue 10-2-1 against the spread against Indiana. 10 wins against the spread. And then yeah, 12 and one straight up. So, <laughs> And you'll be probably laying what a field goal here. No more than that. So basically you're basically, if you're betting Purdue gets to win the game. Most likely, I bet so. it. I, my guess is it's three and a half because up. everyone just watched Purdue on national TV win at mm-hmm. Illinois. And they'd be like, well, they're going to win at Indiana, of course. So yeah. I, I, maybe they'll, they'll make you pay a little bit of a premium to be on Purdue. Yeah. I think they should. I think that's wise. Yeah. Okay. Mid-major games of the week. Got some nice ones here. Kai, we got a matching showdown. We got a conference USA showdown and we're going out West. We'll start there. Let's go out West on Saturday. San Diego state is hosting Boise. And I think this is pretty much, we could argue the two best teams right now in the conference. We've seen Nevada slide. Colorado state's been good, but shown cracks. The Aztecs and the Broncos have had, I think the most jaw dropping eyebrow raising moments so far in conference play. And I'm prepared to pronounce them the two best teams in this league. The Aztecs at home, Probably going to lay close to a field goal, minus four, minus five. We'll see where the odds makers open it. What are you looking at? I think San Diego State gets it done. Now, Boise's been awesome in conference play. Their defense has been great this season. San Diego State's defense is even better. And I think it shocks Boise a little bit. I think they're shooting out of their their collective asses right now. I think it comes back to earth against a, a truly elite defense, San Diego State. I like the Aztecs. Yeah, I don't think it's quite San Diego State nukes Colorado State 30-point blowout level bad, but I think it's San Diego State's game as well. I had no idea that Boise State was up to 41st at Ken Palm. Like, they they are just rocketing up ratings right now, blowing out Nevada. Nevada is a big part of that. But man, that, that I think has depressed the spread down to three or four. I will make it much higher myself. I will be on the Aztecs. Big, big home spot. And I think the matchup is poor for Boise. They love to drive to the rim, and Mm. you can't do that against Mensa in this pack line. Yeah, just how good Boise's been basically has framed them as like an equal with San Diego State and the analytic metrics, which we know the odds makers will closely track. We got to give respect to Viejas at home. It's a great home crowd. The show will be going nuts. If you don't like anything four or less, I think you got to take the text here, even though it's not really an offense you want to trust laying anything more than like three. But I think that's probably the right side. The one thing to make sure is that there will be full stands with Omicron stuff. Very good California. So I just, yep. I'm not 100% sure what that'll be on Saturday. Uh, they had a big home conference game against Fresno. I didn't catch that end of December. So maybe look back at the attendance there. If you want to get really nitty gritty, Kai. 
let's move back in time to Friday. Toledo at Ohio. Talk about two of the top contenders in its respective conference. This time, the M single A C. The key thing here, matchup wise, is both teams are downy soft inside, but man, they can score guards, wings, playmakers, shot makers, abundant on both ends. So I guess I like the over as I talk myself into it. But from a side perspective, I'm flipping a coin. Do you have any edge either way? Man, I'm kind of leading Toledo. Toledo, number one in the conference right now in offense and defense per Kimpom. But it feels a little fluky because part of that is teams are simply missing shots against them. 26% from three against Toledo this year. Mac opponents are shooting. And Toledo's allowing among the most, the highest rate of threes in conference play. Teams are, are simply missing. Whereas an Ohio defense that ranks second in that league, I believe in more. It's more hey, we're getting stops inside in the interior. Two-pointers are tough to score against us. We're taking away the three a little bit better than Toledo. I just kind of think Toledo is, is the better team right now, which is kind of weird to say, with Ohio all banged up the way they are, Jim. Yeah, Ohio's kind of ridden the magic of Mark Sears to this point where I think Toledo's a better team. And Ryan Rollins has quietly been probably the second best player in the league. Both these teams, yeah. sophomore studs as the lead ball handler. Built very similarly. Both have versatile bigs. They want to invert the floor, open up driving lanes, and attack that way, which is why I do agree with Matt. I think there's a lot of points here. Neither team's going to really stop the other. But I, I just trust Toledo a little bit more right now because, like I said, Ohio's basically down to six guys. And that's if Miles Brown is in. So Toledo's just got a little more to him. Yeah, Ohio is missing Brown, arguably their best defender on the perimeter, and then up front Dwight Wilson. And I think those he's been out all year. Right, McDay too. Like, yeah, they, that's why too. they're down to six man rotation. Yeah. And I think that's why their defense has shown cracks. I think Ohio has the best player on the floor, with all due respect to Ryan Rollins, but Toledo has the better supporting cast given the personnel absences on the Bobcats side. So all that's to say, nothing strong for me. I do have a stronger take in this one though, Jim. Got to talk about our guy Junior Lofton, Louisiana Tech hosting UAB. Just been an absolute force inside, and his supporting cast has been, I think, even better than advertised. And I think collectively they've risen up the charts. The UAV, I mean, they put people in the torture chamber with that pressure. Um, I'm just laughing at what I saw in the second half against FIU over the weekend, where it was like, oh my goodness, this is men versus boys out here. I feel bad for FIU. Basically, it'll be around a pick'em most likely at uh, was it Ruxton, Ruston, Louisiana, where they play? Yep. Yeah, Ruston. I like Louisiana Tech more. I enjoy watching that team more. I love Junior Lofton. I think it's probably, it's tough to not back UAB here. I, I think Jamison can give Lofton some issues 1v1. He's big enough to at least battle with him. And that takes away some of the ball movement and slashing that Louisiana Tech gets off of his double teams. And I just, I don't know if I trust Louisiana Tech's guards fully against the depth and the pressure that the Blazers are going to throw at him. So as much as I love Louisiana Tech and I have a conference future on the Bulldogs and not on UAB, I'm worried that this is UAB's game, Kai. I do think it's UAB's game as well. But you look back at last year, La Tech took care of him both games. Lofton even had a good game in one of them. He had 21 points, was the MVP of that game. So yeah, in my head, I think, oh, this is a great UAB matchup. but History has shown LaTeX can hang, and LaTeX has had a much better year, I think, than even we expected when we were higher than preseason. Yeah, you got to find a way to take care of the ball against UAB. If you can get past that first wave of pressure, you have a chance, and that's kind of key to getting the ball inside to Lofton. Otherwise, you render his impact moot. I'm really torn. I want to go UAB all the way, but man, I got to respect what LaTeX done. So I'm going to back off my initial hard lean. Wishy washy. I'm lacking confidence, Kai. Hey, section number five is due up here. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. 
I'm laughing that we uh, we talked about Milwaukee last week and they won by 35, despite not having Patrick Baldwin Jr. Crazy that an NBA lottery pick means nothing, but that team is in disarray. And when you play IEPUI, good things happen. So um, Virginia at Pittsburgh is a very apt choice for our trash fan pick of the week in this week's episode. 115 point total, Kyle. We have talked about before how if you catch a Virginia total below 120, good things usually happen. And it's Pittsburgh, which has immense size up front. This feels like the immovable object meets the immovable object. Yeah, I'm leaning Virginia. Uh, I know Pitt hung tough with them the first game, but UVA was four for 21 from outside the arc. That's kind of an anomaly. And they shot 65% inside two. Like Pitt was not stopping a single thing against them. I like the under. I know the total's going to be low, but this game was 113 points in game one, and both teams scored pretty efficiently. The pace is going to be just so, so, so slow and a crawl. Hence, it's in our trash man pick of the week. So I'm leaning Virginia. I'm winning the under. Yep, I'm right in step with Kai. I think both of those are the sides that I'll be on. It's Virginia only laying like two or three at Pitt this year. I know Virginia's been bad, but man, that seems like I get Tony Bennett at a major discount against Jeff Capel. I have to take that, Matthew. You have to take it. Uh, And here's why, by the way. They were at 64th in Kempom, Virginia was. They've now dropped to 80th after losing at home to Wake. A game, by the way, they led for like most of the way. So we're going to drop them 15 spots because of a game that they just blew a lead late. Like, I think that's not blaming Ken Palm's model. I'm saying because of the way that game played out, you actually have some more value on the who's on top of the whole Tony Bennett versus Jeff Cable thing. Let's roll on board with. So go who's uh, last section. Spotlight on, we're going to do some surprising ATS records. And I think we're also going to add in a few other scheduling spots that are worth noting, especially as COVID has condensed some of these conference schedules coming down the stretch here. You got to keep your eye on teams playing, you know, five games in eight days. So a lot of that last year, I think we're starting to see more of that this season. But first, for some of teams that we want to get to, San Francisco, Drake, Winthrop, and UC Santa Barbara, Kai, all teams that we liked relatively coming into the year. The Dons, 5-12 and 12 against the number. Drake, 3-12. and 12. Winthrop four and ten and UC Santa Barbara three and nine. Pick a team and discuss yeah. why they are in a tailspin. I think all four of these teams were overrated analytically preseason. I think San Francisco is still a very good team and probably the most deserving of being close to that level. But you have teams like Drake and Winthrop who were propped up last season by just insane efficiency. Winthrop had a different coach last year. Drake had Yasufu, who was another guard that could play with Penn or without Penn, who was a huge boon to that team. Santa Barbara, you also honorable mention All-American in, in McLaughlin. This one makes the most sense why they're struggling this year. Yep. Even with Amadou Sow in the lineup, this team just hasn't been very good. So I'm not worried about the Dons. I'm kind of worried about Drake Jim, the way they've barely squeaked by every single opponent in the Valley. And I'm not worried about Winthrop as well. Yeah, Drake's had mega injury issues. Like last year, end of the year, they're dealing with Penn out and Hemphill out. And now they're kind of at that stage again where Penn was out, Hemphill's been out, the player debris has been banged up. So is Penn, like those guys are playing through injuries. The San Francisco one was just interesting to me because I feel like there's such a, a love for them this year of like, WCC, four teams, look how good they are. They're, I think, like 13 and two straight up or something like that. And they actually, because of where they were priced early, Kai, as you mentioned, like top 30 at Kenpom preseason, it's hard to live up to that standard. And, and going five and 12 against the spread isn't actually saying they can't make the NCAA tournament or anything. It's just, boy, like if you find a team that the value is really inflated, then even if you like them, fading them is okay. Uh, I will mention on San Fran too, they've had a lot of really close non-covers. I think their cover margin is actually pretty close to zero. And you look at their analytic, they started off at 34th in Kempom, now they're 36th. I think we all agree it was probably still a little bit too high. Although I guess, I don't know, they've had some pretty damn good efforts. That's, Matt, they, I'm totally on the a, 
They have a plus 0.3 cover margin that's at wild. five and 12. That's and so even, backing the Dons like yeah. we are. That's just unlucky. That's annoying to hear, actually. I didn't need to hear that stat. I wish you would have holstered that. Yeah, I think UC Santa Barbara is the one where I'm probably looking to fade going forward. I think Winthrop and Drake have bounced back potential, but without the guard play of McLaughlin, Kai, you're right, like the rudder in the backcourt, which they had last season, I think they're going to really struggle in a big West play. And teams that have been shockingly good against the spread, um, despite your perception that, or maybe not, that they are not so great. We'll go to SWAC. Swackland first, Alcorn State, as I call them, Prairie View AM Light. And I say that because their current coach is a assistant, a longtime protege of the Prairie View AM machine that's been churning out top tier caliber SWAC teams year in, year out. Sure enough, they're basically replicating that model again this year. Jim, they've been awesome. Yeah, Alcorn's terrific. Five and 12 overall. And you're like, ah, oh, this team's one of those SWAC teams, play a tough schedule. But they brought in talent. They took major advantage of the, the one-time waiver where you can just bring in guys right away and not have to have them sit out. So they found some talent. And the fact that they also have a good coach now has made them way more competent versus the number than in past 13 and four against the spread. Kai, Middle Tennessee, Cal, and St. Thomas, 12 and two, 13 and five, and nine and four against the spread, respectively. St. Thomas is a team looking to fade going forward. All three are surprising. Middle Tennessee has been just bonkers way better than we expected. I'm not sure what's happening there, to be honest, and I can't even begin to break it down. McDevitt, we thought, was a good coach coming from Asheville. He hadn't proven himself for a while. But now maybe he's on the upswing with low expectations. It's just a thing that's happening, I suppose. Yeah, they were picked last in the CUSA, and their fan forum was as depressed as I've ever seen a fan forum. Yeah. And now they're like a money-making machine. Cal, I weirdly yeah. buy a little bit more, Matt, because I thought they were better analytically than what they started at. They have some talent in that roster. Yeah, they do. St. Thomas, though, just makes no sense. They, they're just well-coached, and they shoot the crap out of the ball. Yeah, well, they make every shot, and they have the element of surprise. We've talked about before how I think teams going to new conferences have an early uh, advantage. I wonder if if we just sort of isolated their second games against teams in conference in the summit. Maybe they don't fare as well. If teams figure out how to defend their, their three-point line and how to attack their lack of perimeter athleticism. All right, quick note on a couple of condensed schedules here. I Two conferences, and feel free to pepper in a few more guys if I missed any. The MAAC, the MAC, and the OVC, two teams or two leagues that have been hit pretty hard by COVID. Um, and this is the start of weeks in which they're playing like four and five games in seven days, uh, playing on unorthodox nights, not their typical weekly regiment and routine. We don't want to go through any examples, but just want to say, hey, look out for it. There are landmines all throughout the slate throughout conference play. Be sure to keep your nose to the grindstone as you look through the schedule. Yeah. And the OVC, I don't think it matters as much. I think that's truly the haves and the have nots conference play. Yeah, it's just like I would bet, on, teams and- <laughs> bet on the good teams in the OVC, fade the bad teams. The MAC, however, the MAAC, that's a choose your own adventure. Who the hell knows is going to right. show up on a nightly basis. I just want to avoid betting those games. Pretty key is like if a lot, if there's teams playing Monday, they're likely playing again Thursday and Saturday. And like, so there's your four and seven. Like it's, there's going to be a quite a bit of that. Even the Ivy's been odd to track this year. Again, going off their back to back there, they have kind of random games and some COVID pauses there too. So again, just takes a lot more time, I think, to properly handicap the card this year. So keep your eyes open. Fellas, that wraps it up. Folks, we'll be back next week again, every Wednesday. Please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we'll see you next week on BBOC.